Hey guys, you are listening to The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey. I am Jamie and I'm your host and I'm so glad that you're here. If you like what you're listening to today, make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We bring you new shows every Wednesday and Fridays and an amazing guest always joins me to chat about the big things in life, the little things in life and everything in between. Subscribe today to The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey on your podcast player so you never miss an episode. And welcome to the Happy Hour Jamie Ivy podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so excited you're here. Every week, I invite a girlfriend to join me on the show, and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Guys, before we get to the show, I want to take a moment to thank one of our sponsors today. This Happy Hour is brought to you by the book, Taking Back My Life by Rebecca Gregory. Rebecca is often referred to as a victim of the Boston Marathon bombing, but she refuses to see herself as a victim. She is a survivor. Taking Back My Life is the story of how Rebecca has had to overcome so much, including the amputation of her leg from that painful day on April 15, 2013, when a terrorist bomb changed her life. But her memoir also shows how Rebecca is a lot like you and me. Her life before the bombing was not always easy, and it took the attack to help her find the focus and spiritual direction that she needed. You can find more about Rebecca at RebeccaMGregory.com. Her book, Taking Back My Life, can be found anywhere you guys buy books. Okay, friends, today you're listening to episode number 138, and my guest is Lauren Casper. I had a great time talking with Lauren, and I have been wanting to connect with her for a while. People have been saying we have a lot in common, and we sure did. Guys, today we talk about changing the way that we talk to our kids about getting married and having kids. That's just a different concept that we have at our house and maybe when we grew up. Uh, We talked about seeing the beauty in the midst of brokenness. There's brokenness all around us, but boy, is there beauty as well. Laura and I talk about the day that her son was diagnosed with autism and how that has affected the rest of their life. I also ask her a lot about why she chose to keep her kids Ethiopian names. And if you've ever wondered, she's going to let you know. Guys, you're going to love our conversation with today. It was a joy to get to know Lauren, and I know you're going to love her as well. Guys, I have a few things that I want to tell you about pretty soon, and I'm not going to do it through the podcast, but I'm going to do it through the newsletter. I will be the first to admit I'm not the best newsletter sender outer woman. But I have a few things I want to tell you. So make sure you're signed up. Go to jamieivy.com slash newsletter. I'll have something out for you the next couple of weeks for sure. Okay, friends, here is my conversation with Lauren. Hey, Lauren, welcome to the happy hour. Thank you. So fun to be here. It's fun to be here as well, because you know how there are people that you've kind of seen from afar Mm-hmm. And you don't know them, you've never communicated, but you see what they're doing. Yes. That's what you are to me. So well, ditto. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I've never we this is our first time to ever meet, which is exciting. Which people when I first started the show, I knew everybody because I was like, Hey, you're my friend. Please come be on my show. <laughs> and then it got to where I was like, Oh, there's so many interesting people in the world. And so I get to meet new people. And so more than often. More than often, is that how you say that? More often than not, that's sure. it. That's, there you go. More <laughs> often than not, the people that come on the show now, I've never met. And so I'm so happy that you are finally here on the happy hour. Me too. I'm so glad. And of course, and I feel the same way. I've been doing the same thing. Like, I think it was a few years ago, you know, you get to know people in the adoption world too. And yes. I'm like, oh, look, oh, look. And so I think that's maybe how you got on my radar. And then you had the blog and then you started the podcast. But yeah, it's so it's really fun to be finally talking. Well, it's fun too, because I have a Google Doc or it's like a form where people can request guests on. And mm-hmm. last March, a woman named Sarah, I won't say her last name in case she doesn't want to be known, but a woman named Sarah requested <laughs> that you be on. And I don't even think she Aww. knows you. So Sarah, this is for you. Oh, how <laughs> um, sweet. Hi, Sarah. <laughs> hi, Sarah. And for everyone else. But this is fabulous. And I'm so glad to meet you. Okay. Tell us real quick about your family. You have a family of four. What does that look like? Yes. yes. So I have a, well, I've been married for, it'll be 12 years this summer. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. Thanks. And cause we were babies when we got married. Well, I was a baby. My husband's How old were you? Old. <laughs> I was 21. You so were a baby. Was, yeah. I look at 21 year olds now and I'm like, what? They're not ready for the real world, let alone marriage. (laughs) I thought I was, I was 23 and I look back now and feel like that was a baby. Oh 
yeah. Oh, yeah. my brother's like 26. And I remember when he was 21, I looked at him and I was like, I got married at that age. And he's <laughs> wonderful and he's great and he's mature. But still, it was like, what were my parents thinking? Letting I know. Me <laughs> I know. We had some, so some of our, my son is in middle school. And so he has this thing called DCOM. It's like a kind of like a little community group type thing for students. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we had their lead, his leaders over last night for dinner and one of them is engaged. And I think they told us they're 23 or 22, maybe even. Mm-hmm. And I told Aaron after they left, uh, we were like talking about dinner in the night and everything. And I was like, man, they just seem so young. Yeah. He's like, we were that young too. Like, I mean, it, uh, I guess it, I don't want to be like the old woman, you know, when I'm like, right. Oh, back in my day, <laughs> this is how I did things. Um, but I did make an old woman comment last night to these little young, cute little people. I said, Lauren, this is what I said. One of the guys is, I guess he's like 24 and he's like, man, what if I don't get like, I could just like be him 24 and then I might not get married till I'm in my thirties. And he's like, I don't know how that, and I was like, that's awesome. Like that is, I was like, I know I'm going to sound like an old woman, but there's absolutely nothing wrong with getting married in your thirties. Like oh. have so much fun. Oh, there's um, nothing wrong. I was actually talking about this exact same thing the other night with friends, really dear friends of mine, Chris and Ashley, they've been married a year and a half and they are in their mid thirties, just like mm-hmm. me. And I'm like, and she was making a comment about, well, you know, if they don't have children yet. And she was going into this new situation, she was like, and it's kind of awkward because, you know, we got married older. And I kind of looked at her like, you're not older. (laughs) (laughs) We're the same age. Yeah. And that seemed like a perfectly reasonable time for you to be getting married. (laughs) Yes. Well, I think a lot of people are getting married older. Um, I think just for a lot of reasons, maybe career or just travel. And I, I mean, I think it's great. And so... Yeah, you know, this is like a great conversation and I do want to hear about the rest of your family, but we kind of got off here. But sometimes I've even changed the way I talk to my kids, Lauren, about um, marriage is that I always grew up and they're like, when you get married, when you get married, when you Mm -hmm. get married. And we've changed a lot of our conversations to if you get married, if you have Mm -hmm. kids, because like I've had this conversation with guests on the show before about how much we set people up that marriage is like this ultimate thing. And once you get it, then life starts mm-hmm. or then ministry starts or then you can be like a real person. Yes. And that's just a false narrative. And so we even say I find myself saying to my kids all the time, like, you know, if you get married, whatever. Yeah. Um, instead of I don't want them to set up to be 35 and feel like something's wrong with them if they're not married. Absolutely. And and same with. Uh, motherhood. I love that you said if you yeah. get married, if you have kids, because I think that we set up not only the expectation, but also like put those things on a pedestal. Like those yes. are the most important things mm-hmm. in life. And so if God doesn't call you to that, then what are mm-hmm. you? You know, yeah, you begin to feel less than. Mm-hmm. And I know mm-hmm. that we'll talk about that with you because yes. I know you and your yes. husband walk through infertility. And I'm sure yeah. that. I mean, I've had a handful of women on here that have talked about that and I've never walked through it, but I've, you know, definitely have walked through other storms, but Absolutely. Um, it is, we're just setting people up. And so mm-hmm. anyhow, I'm happy that you got married at 21, but if anyone's <laughs> listening, too. you are not less than if you are not married. So you don't that, have to do that. No, that's, that's Lauren and I's little rant for the yeah. day. So <laughs> I am happy too, though. I don't want anyone to get the wrong idea. I right. don't regret anything. <laughs> Yes. But okay, so, so you're married to John almost 12 years yeah, and you were a baby when you got married. And so then tell me about the rest of your family. So my oldest, Morato, is six years old and he is in kindergarten and he came home from Ethiopia in 2011, February of 2011. So he's just been home six years now. Okay. Um, and he was... Almost five months old. I was going to say he was baby then. Baby, which is very unusual Mm -hmm. for international adoption. Even if you are going in with the mindset of bringing home a baby, typically that means like around one-ish, maybe 10 months, Mm -hmm. but you're not coming home with a baby baby. So it was very unusual, um, kind of a bunch of things just happened to make that work out. Um, and then my daughter, Arsema, is um, she'll be five in May. So they're very close in age, um, but she's four right now, very spunky. She's in her last year of preschool, and I hear every day, is tomorrow when I go to kindergarten? <laughs> Am I going to kindergarten yet? 
<laughs> girl is ready. She is so ready. She was ready last year. I mean, she's just ready for the world. Um, so she came home from Ethiopia in 2012, and she was also almost five months old. Crazy. <laughs> they came home at the exact, they were both like, 10 days-ish away from being five months old when they came home. Two wow. separate adoptions, two very different um, circumstances, stories, and it just so happened that we got them both at the exact same age, which is really, yeah, unusual. Mm -hmm. It just mm -hmm. doesn't happen, so. So two kids, mm -hmm. so close in age, like how yeah. many months apart are they? 12? 20. 20. 20, 20 I'm sorry, 20 months yeah. apart, but they're yeah. going to be one year apart in school. Yes, yeah. Okay. Yeah, my son has one of those weird birthdays where he technically could be in first grade this year, but he made the cutoff by two days. And so um, we actually did start kindergarten last year and then pulled him out at Christmas and went, you know what, this is not not anything we need to rush into. <laughs> we did the same thing with one of our kids. Good for you. Yeah, we brought um, my son Amos came home from Haiti in January. And then mm -hmm. he could enter kindergarten that fall. And he was so excited because his big brother went to school and that's what he wanted to do. But just, it just, it was not working. Uh, life was hard. And so we just felt like we weren't kind of connecting and bonding with him being gone so many hours of the day. And so we like probably six weeks in, we're just said, nah, we're going to pull you out. Yep. Yep. And it was the best thing we could have done for him. Absolutely. On Same so many that. levels. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay, so you have two kids, and I'm glad you said. I was going to ask you before we started, so I didn't make a fool of myself, but you helped me out how to say your son's name. <laughs> yeah, um, Morato. 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 I'm going to think yeah. Morocco and add a T. Yes, that's exactly what I have had friends say. <laughs> Good, Morato. Um, and so I'm assuming that both of these are their Ethiopian names. Yes, okay, which was now, real funny, not planned. <laughs> so a lot of people ask us, and so I'm sure a lot of people ask you because they're just yeah. curious. Did you always plan on keeping their Ethiopian names? No, I'm so glad you asked that because, um, so with Moranto, with our first adoption, we, you know, we didn't have that referral when you get matched with your child for and when we started the process and let's see, we started the process fall of 2009. We were matched with him October of 2010. So, you know, you have like a whole year where you're just in the process doing the paperwork, but there's no little person no right. face, no name, no anything. And so um, I just really wanted something to hold on to. And we knew that we would be getting a boy. That is one thing we knew. And so um, we decided to just pick a name. And I, I don't, I don't really know why I can't, it's been several years now, but I don't remember why I just had decided that we would not keep the Ethiopian name. I don't know, but that was what mm -hmm. we had decided. And so um we picked the name Tucker and our baby's name was going to be Tucker. And I have like embroidered pillows. With uh -huh. Tucker on it. I have like this little Lisa Leonard necklace with Tucker. Of course you do. It's <laughs> your first child this, as yes, well. Yeah. All this stuff. And uh, yeah, like wall hangings, all this stuff. And then we got to Ethiopia to meet him. And Ethiopia is a two trip country. So you go once, spend a week there, go to court, then you have to go home without your baby and then uh, wait for the embassy to do all their stuff before you can go back. So when we were there for our first trip, um, all the nannies in the orphanage, you know, were just, he was very loved. All the kids were, but, um, he was just doted on cause he was a really sick baby too. And I think he just got a lot of extra attention, but mm -hmm. they would all go, Oh, Marato, Marato. And just hearing their voices saying his name over him, it was so precious and it just kind of stuck with us. And it just became who he was. You know, when we looked at him, it was like, you're not a Tucker, you're Murata. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so we kind of waffled back and forth. Well, maybe we'll call him Tucker Murato. I think our plan was always to keep Ethiopian name as a middle name. Right. So we're like, well, maybe we'll just use both names when we talk to him. And, um, and then we actually, we had the opportunity to meet with his birth mom. And when we asked her what his name meant, because we just didn't know is there a meaning or just a common name. And she said his name means peace. We just kind of went, mm. okay, this is, this is too special, too mm. beautiful. It's who he is. So, um, so we kept it and that threw a lot of people off. We had, we had people. People like two years later still calling him Tucker. I bet. 
Was that a thing? Did you have to let that die? Was that hard for you? Yes. There was really only, well, we ended up moving um, three years ago. So my, but my husband was on staff at a church. And so it was kind of like everybody had been praying for Tucker and everybody Mm -hmm. knew about Tucker. And there was this one older gentleman who just, most people got it. They, it took some time, but they got it. And this one guy, he just, bless his heart, never Never could remember and just called him Tucker till the day we moved. <laughs> and I did. I just had to release that. Like, just okay. let it go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, both of our kids that we adopted from Haiti have their Haitian names as their middle names. Yes. Um, and our daughter, um, her um, mom in Haiti gave her the name Magda. Mm-hmm. And when we first heard that, I did not like it at all. Like I did not like it. And yeah. so, but we would get, we, we were able, our story's different than yours. We were able to visit our kids very often in the process. So every time we'd go down there, we called her Magda because everyone else did. Right. And by the time she finally came home, like Magda was beautiful to me all of a sudden. Yeah. Whereas at the beginning, I didn't, I was like, eh, Magda. And yeah. then I loved it um, at the yeah. end, but it's her middle name. And so. Yeah, still it's special to us as well. So did you keep Tucker at all? No. Okay, so so new middle name, everything? Everything. So it's really interesting. And one of the things I just love about Ethiopian culture is that they don't do last names like we do. So every child's last name is their father's first name. So okay. here in the state, if if we were or in Ethiopia, if we were Ethiopian, Murato would be Murato John. That would be his name. Okay. So and my daughter would be Arsema John. And uh, so what they do then on the birth certificate and all the adoption paperwork that they make for you and the embassy stuff, all, all your kids' identification. They know that there are last names in America, but they still keep the Ethiopian version of last names. So he came home, all his stuff, passport, everything, Murato John Casper. Uh-huh. And we just were like, oh, that's so cool. So yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's who he is, Murato John Casper. <laughs> I love like you and I both know that there are so many hurdles and obstacles in adoption. And some of them are really hard and heartbreaking. This one is not hard and heartbreaking, but it's interesting to see how it's just an obstacle and then ended up being so different than you ever thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um, which is kind of an underlying theme with adoption and lots of things. Yeah. Um, and so then did you just decide to keep your daughter's name since you had already kept your son's Ethiopian name? Exactly. So <clears throat> when we got into the process with her, um, we... Well, when we got into the adoption process the second time, it wasn't with her specifically yet. We were just in the process. And that was actually funny. We were actually going to adopt from Ghana. That fell through. Then we, that same week, got matched with this, or she went on a waiting child list in Ethiopia. And we were like, whoop, there we go. Um, But we had kind of gone into the second process knowing, okay, well, we can't keep his name and not keep our second child's name because that would be really insulting. Like, we liked his, but we didn't like yours, you know? Yes, so yes. So we're just praying, please let it be something we can pronounce. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Or you could at least like make, you know, shorten and... Yes, make a nickname out of it that works. Yeah, so... Okay, well, that's awesome. So next year, when you have two kids in kindergarten, have you thought about how your life is going to change? Oh, yes, yes. And what are you thinking that's going to look like? Well... Because I remember that was my daughter. My youngest is in third grade. I remember that year before she went to kindergarten and all the ideas and dreams I dreamed of. Yes. Well, I'm actually right now, um, I think I'm just going, looking forward to all the work I'm going to be able to get done. I kind of have a lot on my plate right now and for the next six months and beyond. And I'm going, okay, summer's going to be insane. But Mm -hmm. they both start school. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I remember when my, all my kids were in school, the first few weeks, my husband was like, how about you just do nothing for a week? Because yeah. although you do work already, I didn't really work that much. I mean, just a mm-hmm. little bit, but I didn't really work like I do now, like every day. Right. Um, but you think, oh my gosh, I'm going to have all this free time. And then no, you don't. It's you it's don't. just like you fill it up so quickly. Yeah. Yeah. So and quickly. then you put in all the other stuff on top. Like I've got to get groceries still. They still want to eat every day. And I've they got, still you know. want to eat. Yes. Every day, every day. Every day. Uh, okay. So you're speaking of work and there are like three or four different things I want to talk with you about today. But speaking of work, um, you are a writer and yes. you have a book that releases in about six days from when the show is airing. Yes. Um, it's called it's okay about it. Lessons mm-hmm. from a remarkable five-year-old about living life wide open. 
Um, and I know I've read this book. And so mm-hmm. um, super exciting. And I know that you wrote this book after just kind of, and it is exactly what it says, seeing the life through the lens of a child. And and I mm-hmm. had a guest on a couple of weeks ago before you, uh, Jenny, and we talked a lot about just the creativity that kids have and how we kind of lose uh, that as an adult. Yeah. And so this is kind of, it's kind of along the same lines, not necessarily the creativity, but like the trust and the awe and the beauty and the imagination and the fun and the safety and security that kids have and see yeah. that we sometimes lose. Yeah. Um, so what led you to write this book? Well, so it was really funny. Um, I've wanted, I've been writing for years and mm-hmm. some of it publicly on my blog, some of it guest posts and some of it just in word documents on my computer. Right. Um, and so I've, I've been writing for a really long time and I'd always had a dream of writing a book one day that seemed really far-fetched and just not attainable. Um, but it was just a little dream I had. And then some things just started seeming to fall out of place or, you know, like God's just dropping this out of the sky. But now I look back and go, Oh, I can see, you know, Mm -hmm. the steps that brought us there, but things just started really happening. Um, falling into place for this to happen. And I got, I kind of went about it a little bit backwards. I know a lot of people have like their book idea and they're really excited about it and they put together their proposal and then they get an agent and then their agent shops their book to the publishing houses. And, but it starts with a specific book idea Mm -hmm. before they have any of the other stuff. Well, I got connected to my agent when I had like 30 book ideas. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Who's your agent, by the way? I, I'm with Lisa Jackson at a live literary agency, and I love her. I've heard great so things about her. So, yes. Oh, she's like, I told my, I was talking about book stuff with my husband last night. I said, Lisa is um, probably the best decision I've ever made. <laughs> I, I hear you. Yes. Um, so, uh, but we kind of talked for several months before I actually even signed with her and emailed back and forth, phone calls, all this. And so, finally, one day, because I had this one book idea that was kind of going to walk through my infertility story specifically. Mm -hmm. And it just wasn't really coming together. And I had offhand made a commentary. Well, you know, I keep like a word document. It's titled my, my um, ridiculously long list of book ideas. And I just, it's like bullet points of Mm -hmm. I can write a book about this or in title ideas and all of that. Um, And she said, would you mind emailing that to me? I just want to kind of get a peek at it. And so I said, sure. And I sent it to her and she came back and I'd highlighted like three ideas that she said, these are your strongest. Let's pick two and go for it. And then I came back and said, can I just pick one? That's all I can wrap my brain around. (laughs) Yeah. I can't pick two right now. And she said, yes. And the title I had had for this book, um, in my, in, and actually it's the proposal we shopped out too, was, um, the title of the first chapter, um, watch out for diesel 10. That was going to be the book title in my Mm -hmm. mind. And I didn't want to write about it first because I just felt like it sort of felt premature to be writing about what I've learned from my son when he was only five years old. I felt Mm -hmm. like I needed to write all the things down and then wait until he was like 18. Right. Because, it just felt like, I mean, who am I to talk mm-hmm. about anything parenting related when I have my oldest as a kindergartner? You know what right. I mean? And so yeah. I just sort of didn't feel equipped. But um, Lisa was so encouraging. And when I really sat down with the idea and prayed about it and thought about it and just sat with it, I realized I'm not writing a parenting book. Mm-hmm. I'm not writing a how-to. This is not an advice book of you know, how to do it right with your kids. I'm writing simply about what Murato is teaching me right now. And mm-hmm. that's valuable right now. I don't want to forget that. And I don't want to lose that. And because I feel like it's so valuable, I know that it's valuable to other people too. So. Yeah. Well, it, and I'm glad that you wrote it. Um, and <laughs> what's the, what was the second book idea? Can you tell me, or is that coming out in two years? Well, um, what was my second book idea? I don't remember what it was. I, I am working on my second book now, which will come out in the, oh, maybe even a year and a half, year, yeah. 2018 sometime. Um, 
also with Thomas Nelson. And that, that changed actually just a couple months ago as well. Isn't that funny? I'm learning these book things as well um, about how things just change. Like you don't even know. Yeah. Um, Okay. So one of the chapters that I think, you know, is interesting. Well, they're all interesting, but one of the things that I really resonated with a lot because we both, both of our families have been formed with adoption mm-hmm. um, was in chapter nine, when you talk about, it's called, look, the tree rainbow. And you talk about a time when um, your son, you know, just sees something beautiful that we would normally yeah. would pass. Um, and you talk a lot about perspective and just losing the vision. Um, but you also talk a lot in this chapter about just life is life turns hard, you know, yeah. and I feel like. That is just a common theme of someone, so many people's story um, that are listening. I think just we live in a broken world and you talk about that in here and how as a child, you know, things like that, you started losing that, you you know, you give different examples of a a neighbor's house burning down and a trip to the Grand Canyon and, and the bombing that we all remember um, in Oklahoma, like all of those things. Like I even, I even remember like a very vivid memory of mine is, and I'm just a few years older than you. So I don't know if you remember Mm -hmm. this was um the first um was columbine yes oh yeah yeah Yeah. i mean i remember watching that and so like so many things just we live in a broken broken hard Mm -hmm. world and it affects us as adults um but the whole chapter which was so good and i love just what you said about seeing things through your son's eyes and how it helps you right now is you talk about just seeing the beauty of god even amidst the brokenness yes um and so Besides, you know, adoption and everything, how has that played out in real time in your life? How are, how are some things that you're really like seeing the beauty of God um, and God working out things for good, even in the hard and the broken times? Yeah, absolutely. Well, my friend, um, my friend, Rachel, um, who just moved last week to Alabama, she's my person. And so I'm like, I have this gaping hole in my life now, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> but she, um, she calls it love letters. She's, she'll say, God sent me a love letter today. And it's so beautiful because it's the same concept. It's things are hard. Um, she's a cancer survivor. She was diagnosed a year ago. Thank goodness. She's, um, clear now her mom died in August. Mm-hmm. And so their family has walked through and her sister's recovering from breast cancer. Her, her family has just been walking through like deep, hard stuff, like unusually hard season. And she'll still will be hanging out, going to Target or whatever. And she'll be like, I got a love letter today. And she will have found something of her mom's when she was cleaning out the closet. Mm. And it's just those little things of it doesn't have to be big of today was really hard, but oh my gosh, my friend brought me coffee or, you know, um, last summer we went through a particularly hard season and I had actually just finished writing the book, um, because I knew we were, I knew what was coming down the pike. And so I said, I got to get this turned in before we start going through all this. And I was just absolutely dreading it. We were, um, we were, um, going through, Uh, my son was hospitalized for a week, which we knew was coming. It wasn't like an emergency thing, but there was just some stuff that he needed to stay for a week at the hospital Mm -hmm. and do all this stuff. Um, Then a couple weeks later, my daughter was having a big surgery. And then um, two and a half weeks after that, I was having major surgery that was going to pretty much knock me out for the whole summer. And my, my daughter's surgery was really major too. And so it, I just knew this was all coming and I kept saying, to people and to my husband in particular, I kept saying things like, I just wish I could hit the rewind button or fast forward button and get from today to when we're all recovered and it's Mm -hmm. over. I just don't want to go through all this. I know we can do it. And I know, you know, God is there, but it's so hard and I'm so overwhelmed just the anticipation of it all. And I was so thankful I just finished writing this book because it was a reminder, like as I'm writing, I'm like, this is what I need right now. And one of the things I found in that season was like my son lost his two front teeth during that time. And it was so precious and sweet. And I would have missed that if I hit Mm -hmm. the fast forward button, you know, right? it's like there, even in the heart, there are these moments that are such gifts and are so beautiful that you miss out on if you're too focused on the hard, if you're too focused on just what's broken, you know, you don't get to have a nail painting party with your four-year-old daughter on the living room floor or just all these little things that pop up in the day to day that really are gifts and really are beautiful. And I wouldn't have wanted to miss out on any of that. Mm. Um, And so, yeah. 
So, yeah. It's true. We just had a conversation with our kids. Um, we're just trying to have like, you know, when you're trying to have like theology conversations with your kids, but you have to make it like not heavy theology or else you lose them. We were just having a conversation with our kids about um, like how God um, loves us and cares for us even in hard times. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were talking a lot about how um, sometimes those hard times in our life are actually ways that God uses for us to know him more and need yeah. him more and love him more. And that's a hard concept for a 38-year-old woman. And it's a hard yes. concept for an 11-year-old boy as well. Um but I hear so many times when people talk about, and, and I can say the same as well, and this is a theme that comes up a lot because people are talking about things that they've been through on the show. A lot of people say the same thing and they say, man, it was in the hard times and it was in the scary things and it was in those rough seasons of my life where I felt God the, the most and I was like daily, I needed him and it was this closeness that sometimes mm. I miss. Yes. Um, and so I Absolutely. always find that not, it's not odd because God says I'm close to the broken heart. You know, I'm near. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you're, t- when I was reading this chapter, it made me think about that as well as like, yeah. man, even in like the brokenness that even we yeah. experience that God is so near to us all the time. He is, he is. And I, I totally resonate to that phrase of, you know, or that thought of kind of missing it a little bit when you're on the mountaintop, the closeness of walking with Jesus when you're in the valley, it's in the, in the aware, the heightened awareness, I think of Mm. his presence, of his grace, of his mercy. Um, It's such a gift. Yeah. It is such a gift. Yeah. In the same chapter, you wrote a paragraph, which I um, sometimes feel like some people miss, or I've said the same phrase that you said in here out loud, out loud before. And I think Mm -hmm. it can kind of cause people a little like, what? I don't get it. Um, no. You said our family was born out of brokenness. Yes. Um, this acknowledgement makes people some, pe- some people uncomfortable, but it's entirely true. Our family is a result of broken hearts and broken stories, and our family is beautiful. Yeah. Um, and I, I know that you're a part of an adoption conference, and I'm sure I'm sure mm-hmm. you have great thoughts on this, but I say to people all the time that there is no adoption. Like, there's no adoption that doesn't come from broken. Absolutely. Ad- like, it is a result of brokenness. And so... Um, how, how have you, like, have you seen struggles just in building your family and having to like, when, when you're, I know you walk through infertility and so that mm-hmm. may be some building ground of like having to walk through that and then building your family on top of adoption, which is beautiful. My family's yeah. going through adoption. Yours is, it's beautiful. Like you said, but it's yeah. also broken. And yeah. so has that, have you had to lay down expectations? Have you had to let things die? How has it been to build your family on this way after walking through such hard times? Well, I think it's been a gift and it's been hard. It's been both because there's one thing and, and I've done, I've done speaking engagements at adoption conferences where I talk specifically about, um, infertility. So these are moms who are adopting after going through infertility and they can always really relate, but it, it gives me an extra connection to my kids Mm. to have walked through infertility and, before adopting because I can say to them, and we also walked through loss. I had two miscarriages um, in that, in that journey. Mm -hmm. And I can look at them and go, you lost all of your biological people. And I lost all of my biological people. Mm. And I know in a different way, I lost my biological children. You lost your biological parents. We're both hurting. Mm. We both have wounds. And I kind of liken it to puzzle pieces. You know, you've got this, this inward gash, but our pieces fit together perfectly Mm. and make us a beautiful family. And that doesn't mean there aren't scars. And that doesn't mean that things always look perfect because I mean, I think people focus so much on the redemption side of it, which is wonderful and beautiful. Mm -hmm. We should focus on that. But it's both and. We Mm -hmm. also need to acknowledge the loss and the hurt and the pain. We can't just focus on the redemption and ignore Mm -hmm. the hurt that because there is no redemption without pain, right? Right. It's not redemption if there's Mm -hmm. not brokenness and and pain. And so um, if we ignore that, we're only seeing half the story and we're only seeing half the picture and, 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 and we're not doing ourselves or our kids any favors by pretending that yeah. it's something it's not either. Yeah. Yeah. 
your kids are five and four. Have you had these hard conversations? You know, so far they haven't been hard. Um, thank goodness, mm-hmm. <laughs> because I'm like I feel like I need to do a lot more praying and reading <laughs> and talking and asking and um, whatever. Before, Everything yeah. you just said to me, you could say to them, and you know, <laughs> on right. a five year old level, yes, that's right. Um, but so far, it's more just curious. Well, you know, at that age, they they forget all the time. Mm-hmm. So like the yes. other night, my son, my son has a little buddy at school whose mom is expecting a baby. And so I guess they've been talking about because at first I was like, what, where did this come from? But he asked me if it hurt when he kicked my belly. <laughs> and I was like, well, when did you kick? And I'm thinking he literally means right. like, he kicked me in the stomach. And I'm like, what? You've never kicked me. And he's like, no, when I was in your belly and I kicked it, did it hurt? And I realized, oh, he's talking oh, about yeah. like, when he would, he's thinking, oh, when I was in your belly as a baby and I kicked you, did it hurt? And so I had to go back and remind him, you know, no, it didn't hurt because you were never in my belly. Right. And so, and so that just kind of led into a conversation and they're very sweet, innocent questions right now. And, and we're having the same one like 40 times. Yep. So, and that's just where we're at. So he'll ask things like, did she like me? Yes, she loves you, you know, uh-huh. stuff like that. Yeah. And because because I can't, because I did have the honor of meeting his birth mom, I mm-hmm. have those answers for yeah. him too. So we, yeah, that's what I tell people all the time. You know, my kids are a little bit older now than yours, and so people would ask me like, "Man, how do we talk about this?" And I'm like, "You just talk mm-hmm. about it whenever they bring it up." And if they yeah. like my kids now being older, don't bring it up as much anymore. Believe it or not, you're answering the same question forty times. Yeah. I'm now the one that brings it up to my kids, yeah. and we do that so that there is no like oh, do mom and dad not want to talk about this anymore? You know, and then they're going through all these hormones and questions and then you never want that to add on to, you know, is this a secret? There's no secrets. Um, A funny story, just the other day we were at the baseball field and it was just me and all my kids. And so um, (laughs) there was this like five-year-old boy. He was standing there and he, I was talking to my kids. It was after the game. There's hardly anyone around. And he looked at me, he looked at story and said, where's your mom? And she's like, right there, you know, she's just like, why would you ask that woman right there? The story's like right there. And he looked at me and then he looked at her and he went, well, that's the weirdest thing. I never seen a black baby, a black daughter with a white mom. (laughs) And I was like, well, actually, he said, he said, that's the weirdest thing. I didn't know a white lady could have a black daughter. And, um, and my kids just kind of stared at him. Like Like, no one was offended by any means. He was five, you know? Yeah. But. I looked at him and I was like, I know it's the craziest thing ever, isn't it? And then I said, you know, well, actually I adopted her. And then his mind was just blown. It was like, yeah, it was so a whole new thing, a whole new thing. Yes. Like, (laughs) but he was just like the most sincere, like I have never seen such a thing in my entire life. I didn't know this was possible. Um, so there's that, that was, you know, I'm sure you have funny stories like that as well. Oh, absolutely. We were in Chick-fil-A in the play area and we always sit up against the glass and our kids are in the play area and they come up to the glass and like kind of make faces or talk to us when we're on the glass. And, um, his little friend he had found was black as well. And so he was waving at me, blowing kisses and stuff. And the little friend I'm watching, I can see him mouthing, you know, talking. And he, I see him ask Maracha, where are your parents? And Maracha just points right there to the people he's been blowing kisses to. So it seems self-explanatory. And I saw this little boy go, they're white. <laughs> and Maranto, I couldn't see what he was doing. So when he came out to the table, I, I asked him about it. And he said, yeah, he said, they're white. And I said, what did you say? And he said, I said, yeah. Um, in my family, there's two white and two brown. And then it was, matter of fact, like, yep, that's the way it is. And then that's how it is. Yep. And then he asked to get some blue people. And I was like, well, no, but Mm. (laughs) no, he's been watching trolls at the same time. (laughs) So funny. Oh my goodness. Hey guys, real quick. I want to interrupt the conversation with Lauren to take a few minutes to thank our sponsors. The Happy Hour is brought to you today by Dear Meshka. I know that many of you fell in love with Dear Meshka from our holiday gift guide last November, and I am so glad I get to share about this company again. Dear Meshka is a jewelry brand creating quality and affordable jewelry on a mission. Every piece is crafted with a specific verse in mind, and it comes paired with a verse card meant to be kept by your bathroom mirror and thought of throughout your day. But it's not in a cheesy way because I don't like cheesy. But for example, they have a Proverbs 3 straight bar necklace that's a reminder that when we trust in the Lord, He makes our path straight. I love that. And I have the love the knot necklace 
which is designed with Ephesians 5 and tying the knot of marriage in mind. It is beautiful jewelry packed with meaning. I love it so much. God, use the code Jamie for 10% off all your orders before June 1st. That means you can get something before Mother's Day. Yes, you are very welcome. Guys, I also want to thank uh, one of today's sponsors. The Happy Hour is also brought to you by Audible. Audible, do you love books, guys? Like, I love books, but do you always hardly find any time to read them? Like, I hardly find any time to read them. Guys, with Audible, you get audiobooks, and you can listen to those books that you've been meaning to read on the go. Download them to your phone and take them wherever you go. You can take them while you're doing laundry. You can take them while you're working out. You can take them on a walk. They go wherever you go. And with Audible, you own your books, so you can get access to your books anytime and anywhere right from your smartphone. Audible also has the great listen guarantee. Listen to this, guys. This is great. If you decide that you don't like the book that you chose, no worries. You can exchange any book you aren't happy with for another title anytime, no questions asked. You can't do that very much with books these days. Um, Guys, maybe my guest today, you want to get her book? It comes out May 2nd. You can get it on Audible. Or maybe Lauren Scruggs from last week. Her book's up there. A book that I just read this year that I love is Hillbilly Elegy. And I think it'd be a phenomenal book to listen to. Also, Big Little Lies. Oh, that's a good summer reading book right there. Okay, guys, maybe you are committing to a new workout regimen. Maybe that's what you're doing before the summer. You got like four more weeks. Increase your reps while you free your mind, while you're listening to whatever you want to listen to. Okay, right now, guys, you cannot make more time in the day, but you can make the most of it. So turn your workout into something more with a free trial at Audible. Go to audible.com slash Jamie Ivy to start now. That's a free trial, guys. Audible.com slash Jamie Ivy. Okay, here is the rest of my conversation with Lauren. Okay, so... Another thing that um, I know that you write a lot about, which I think is such a blessing to mamas, especially when they are first finding out um, Mm -hmm. that their child might be quote unquote different or be Mm -hmm. diagnosed um, with something is that you are walking the road with your son um, who is on the autism spectrum. And you talk a lot about how that is such a wide spectrum. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know that just from having friends whose kids are on um, the spectrum, it's totally different levels. Yeah. Um, and so how long ago was it that your son was diagnosed with autism? It's been four and a half years now. Um, he was diagnosed really young. He was, was going to say, yeah. yeah, he wasn't even two. Um, he was three weeks before his second birthday that we got the official diagnosis, but it had kind of been tossed around for several weeks before then, um, at various appointments. And, and he got that diagnosis so young because it was so glaringly obvious. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and like you're saying with that spectrum, he was in a very different place on the spectrum back then. And Mm -hmm. he has made just so much progress and so many strides. And he's now in a very again, a very different place mm-hmm. on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. So um, that's why I think if he was where he's at today, it would be really hard to get that diagnosis just because they want to go, well, is it this? Is it that? Mm-hmm. You know, but back then um, it was, it was pretty cut and dry, simple. What was going on? <laughs> yeah. So your first time mom, you know, mm-hmm. you've already mm-hmm. walked through your infertility and yeah. your parenting and you have um, your, do you have your daughter at this time? Um, we brought her When you got home- the diagnosis? No, we brought her home just under four weeks later. Okay. And so I know, you know, just from walking through a couple of friends while they're getting these diagnoses, and then I have other friends that that I've met afterwards, um, was this a relief for you to find out, okay, this is what it is, or was Mm -hmm. this a denial? I don't really think this is, where, how did, where did you fall on that of finding out, um, that your son had autism? I was a hundred percent in the relief category. Um, yeah, definitely. I, when it first got brought up before he was diagnosed, um, a speech therapist said he's showing several red flags for this and you, you need to set up an evaluation. I wasn't in denial. I was shocked. Um, I didn't know anybody with children on the spectrum and I didn't know any adults on the spectrum. I just, autism wasn't a part of my life whatsoever. Um, I just somehow had gone through life without that happening, which now that, you know, the statistics, it's like, how is that possible? Or maybe I was just totally blind to it. Who knows? Um, but so for me, I wasn't noticing any of those hallmark signs because it, I didn't really know anything about it. I just Mm -hmm. knew my son was struggling 
and we needed help. So when in between her kind of throwing that out there to us and his appointment where he was evaluated and diagnosed, I was, you know, of course on the internet, I was in Barnes and Noble on the, sitting on the floor with books about autism, just reading everything I could. And by the time we walked into that evaluation, I had it pretty settled in my own mind that he was autistic mm-hmm. and um, everything I was reading was lining up for me. I was all making sense and it was helping us understand Morato. So mm-hmm. it wasn't a surprise and it was a huge relief, but it was also very emotional, mm-hmm. even with the relief and even with not being surprised, it was still um, it was still hard and very emotional. And for me, it was the foreverness of it. Mm. Um, at that time, I, I, it was also new, you know, I, it was not a part of my vocabulary or my daily life. And so, um, it was all so unknown. Mm. And so I was just really afraid for what his future and our future would look like. And, um, so there was the relief and now we have an answer and we know how to move forward and we know how to help him with things he's struggling with or, or not, you know, how sometimes he just views the world differently and that's okay. That's not a struggle. It's just different than what we do and releasing that, like, that's okay. You can do things differently or see things differently. Um, but at the time I think I thought, I don't know what this is going to look like. And there was a lot of fear involved. Mm. Well, you know, I, I think that what you're describing, um, parents can go through on so many different levels. I have oh, a girlfriend yes. right now that is getting diagnoses for her son. Mm. And she was talking to um, me the other day and she's like, just, I have these thoughts inside that I'm kind of embarrassed about. Like, oh. how is this going to change my other kids' lives? Are we ever yeah. going to vacation? Like, is he going to live with us forever? Like, what does this mm. look like for our family? And I think, you know, you're, you're dealing with a two-year-old getting diagnosis that as a parent feel forever and and, and granted they might be, I mean, there's a reality to that as well. Um, So what, what helped you like looking back, you know, you're four years or, or, you know, four, three years removed from that. Um, And so I know you could probably maybe, hopefully, I don't know, look at those things and say, those aren't my biggest worries anymore. Right. Granted, they might've been at the time. And so what is your advice to someone who they're living right now in the biggest worries of the unknown. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I would say, first of all, if you're, you know, just fresh in a new diagnosis or right in that place of getting evaluated, I would say the first thing is take it day by day in bite-sized pieces because we got like unloaded with all the information and all the things we needed to do for him. And it was like, we, we left one appointment with like three ring binders of things. Mm. Like one was filled with our, our next steps that we needed to set up all these things for. And the other was just full of information about sensory processing, processing disorders and speech delays and all. This. And it was like, I felt like I needed to, okay, I need to sit down this week, read everything and set up every appointment and every therapy and every, because you feel that pressure. No, you don't need to. (laughs) You can take it day by day and just do the next right thing. Okay. Today we'll think about speech therapy, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, so just slow down. You don't have to do everything all at once. And that's good. That goes for the fears and the overwhelming feelings and those thoughts too. And And I think that mom guilt can get so strong here because like your friend was saying, I'm so embarrassed about these thoughts. But as you're saying them, I'm like, that is a thought every single mother Mm -hmm. going through this has thought. Every single Mm -hmm. one of those thoughts, there's nothing to be embarrassed about. It doesn't mean you love your kids any less. It doesn't mean you don't think they're just as wonderful as any other mom thinks about her kids. It's just your different reality. And those are things that you think about. And and to some extent, you need to think about those things. You need to think, okay, this could be our reality. He could live with us forever. Okay, what? Are, how are we going to change our expectations? How are we yeah. going to shift our mindset in our life um, to accommodate this? And um, so, yeah, just take, I, I think just that releasing of expectations for me and redefining success. Mm. What does success look like? What does that mean? What does a successful family, what does yep. a successful life look like? Redefining what that meant to me um, helped me 
not be so afraid, not be so overwhelmed, and honestly, not be disappointed with things. Mm-hmm. Um, if we only make it five minutes in the bakery with our son, and then he's got to go because it's too loud or too tight or whatever, that was a successful experience rather than going, oh my gosh, he couldn't sit in the restaurant for 30 minutes mm-hmm. with us while we got our coffee. No, he did it for five minutes. Way to go. You know, it's just that. Yeah that shift in your perspective, that shift in your definition of what life, it's getting rid of the shoulds. Yeah. So good. I'm sitting here. I'm just like, yes, yes, yes. Redefining uh, your success and redefining your expectations. I think that people can take that home with them today on so many different things in their life. Absolutely. I mean, I was even thinking when you're saying that, I was like, man, I think as from a parent, if we're talking about parenting, you tend to look at other people's lives and think, well, they must be good mm-hmm. parents because this is happening. But mm-hmm. you do that in work. Like, oh, I'm going to look at how she's successful. That must right. be what success is. And that's not true either. You you need to define it for yourself. And so I know that you're talking about, I mean, you and I are both talking about specifically parenting and changing mm-hmm. your success and ex- expectations, um, you know, for the Casper family and how that looks. Right. But I know people are listening and just going, wow, I could do this in my personal level, my professional level, my yeah. parenting, my marriage, all kinds of different things. And so, absolutely, oh, that's so good, Lauren. I'm gonna think about that all day. <laughs> Thank oh. you for that. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I know if people, you know, you, you write about this on your blog. And so people mm-hmm. can find more information from that about you as well. And yeah. um, I'm gonna have all the links up to your book and everything like that. It comes out next week, yeah. uh, which is so exciting because people can pre-order. And I always say that. But let me tell right. you, I pre-order books all the time. Here's why it's amazing. Okay, I'm going to give my pitch for pre-ordering books. Yeah. Ready? Because number one, you forget you did it, and then it shows up at your doorstep. Oh, what to a fun me, yes. it's like a fun surprise. You're like, yeah. oh my gosh, like this is exciting. My <laughs> husband has a book coming out in August. I already pre-ordered it. Like I'm not going to get a book for free, but I pre-ordered it because I thought this is so fun. Yes. Um, so people can pre-order your book right now, and then it'll show up on their doorstep, which is That's super right. super fun and exciting. Um, it's called It's Okay About It. Uh, okay, so let's do what three things are you loving? Okay, wow, you you have caught me off guard because my mind is still thinking about everything. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, that's okay. We like, switch oh, really me, quickly from really redefining fast. our what success and expectations um, to well, what are you right loving? Now I am number one loving spring um, because in our area, March is usually, re- I'm up in the mountains and March is usually still really cold and we're getting like so much, you know, last year, I think we had like a blizzard in March and then April kind of gets to where it's like, you might have a warm day here and there. And, but mostly it's still pretty like rainy, damp and forties or fifties. And then May is where you start to get more warm days in a row, but it still gets pretty chilly. And then June is when you can count on it being like warm. I know that's totally different than where you're living. It's I, totally I, different. Yes, I know. Like, because I'm like talking about <laughs> it's warm today, you know, yeah. <laughs> we're like, right. It's well, mostly this, warm here. Yeah. This year has been the most bizarre year because it's been warm for like several weeks. I don't know what's happening, but I'm loving every second of it. Like my daffodils bloomed in late February. I I don't. Will they stay? Or they have. They... Just shocking because it did snow like all over them randomly. Mm-hmm. One day we just got like this random snow a few weeks ago, um, and it was 70 degrees the next day again. But they survived it. So I'm wow. like, all right, well, and resilient I'm, daffodils. Yes, I'm just here for it because I am not a cold weather girl. I'm a cow. I grew up in California, so this Virginia business is not like winter here is not working for me. <laughs> but y'all have beautiful summers. Am I right about that? Oh yeah, we do have. It's humid. I mean, if we're comparing it to California, <laughs> <laughs> there's no comparison. There's really no comparison. No, but um, yeah, we, I mean, in the seasons are gorgeous. Like fall is beautiful. Spring is gorgeous. Winter, even with the snow, it's fun to have winter. I just wish winter was like three weeks and then we could just get on with spring. But yeah, I'm not, I, I don't want to complain too much because it is really beautiful. But yeah, mm. that's my number one thing is I'm just loving that spring is apparently going to be several months long this year. And that's yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> I am soaking that up. Um, three things. Okay. Number two, what else am I? Well, we got a dog um, in the fall, which is something I've waited 
like 11 years for. And mm. so I'm loving all things puppy. I mean, she's not a puppy. She's like two years old, but I still call her my puppy. I am loving all things dog right now. I feel like I can finally like be a part of those people. You know, there's like those dog people. Yes. Oh, yes, and I, I do. Always, like, be like right outside that circle. Like I love dogs just as much as you. I just don't have one. You know? <laughs> I'm one of you. I just don't have a dog. <laughs> like I want to be in this club. Yes. And now I'm like, I, I can be a dog person. I can, you know, I can post those cute dog videos on Facebook because I have a dog now. So, um, so it's been, it's been, you know, several months, but I'm still like in that phase of just overjoyed bliss of have finally having a dog. What kind of dog did you get? She's a mutt. She's great. Oh, My daughter is a little bit mixed. That's what I she like that. She's a little bit mixed, but she's like a terrier, collie, sheltie mix. And so she's really fluffy, not fluffy. She doesn't have long hair, but she's really soft and feels really fluffy. She's not too big, which is great, but she's not like a really tiny chihuahua size dog. Um, She's a lot of fun. She's great with the kids. So yeah, she's great. Okay. What else are you loving? Do you have another thing? Third thing I'm loving. I need to, well, Donuts. I'm loving Really? Donuts. I'm like obsessed with donuts. Yeah. Like any kind yeah. or just driving through and get like, you know, Dunkin' Donuts or what kind of just any kind of donuts? Um, I do just love all donuts. Yes. Okay, so here's the thing. Let me just tell you about my donut thing because okay, it's this a whole is fun. <laughs> so in California, donuts like donut shops are a thing. Like you, there's one on every corner and donuts are like all kinds of donuts, any kinds you want. There's like donut palace all, and they're like 50 cents a pop. You can get a dozen donuts for like six bucks. It's great. Okay. Or five bucks. Cause I think they give you like a, ba- a deal if you get a dozen. Anyway. So we grew up like my parents on a Saturday morning would go get a dozen donuts and my sister and I would sit down on a Saturday morning and eat the whole dozen in one Mm -hmm, city. mm -hmm. Donuts were a big part of my childhood and they're just kind of everywhere and very affordable and all different kinds like bear claws, jelly filled, all different kinds. So I moved to Virginia and donut shops are not a thing here. So problem in my life. Um, There's Krispy Kreme. Okay. Yes. Is the huge deal here. That's not really, at least where I grew up, that wasn't really a big deal. There was like, Krispy Kreme wasn't a thing, but everybody's like really into Krispy Kreme. But to me, I'm like, yeah, but that's like one kind of glazed donut. That's not like the variety. You want the variety. I want like all kinds. I want the cake donuts. I want the bear claws. I want the jelly <laughs> filled. Like I want to have like, and I want choices. Need options. Exactly. So, um, in this little tiny town I live in, there is one place that home like makes their own homemade donuts, um, and they're like the cake kind of donuts, and they have different kinds. And every mm. day you don't, they usually have like four flavors out, and they let you know, and it's really fun. Like I get on Facebook and see what their status is that morning because they tell you what fla- like what kinds they're going to have. Like, are we going to have peanut butter crunch or double chocolate uh-huh. or whatever? Um, and then so sometimes I'll go with like my girlfriends and get some donuts, um, but they're really expensive. It's a dollar for like one donut or more uh, than that, maybe. And I'm like, that that's not what we need to be doing. We need to need a donut palace where you can go get <laughs> you a bear claw for 50 cents. And that is what I need. So, uh, but I am still really loving that I have this little donut shop, even though I'm paying double what I would prefer to be paying. Right. But, mm-hmm. The <laughs> but market. Yeah. Donut rant. Yeah. Uh. We just recently had some really good donuts because my daughter is allergic to dairy. And oh. so it's just hard to find those kind of fun things. But there's a place here in Austin called Guiltless Superfoods. And they make their cake donuts, chocolate, okay. but they don't have any dairy in them. And that's, they're so good. That's a great name for a place. I know. Like, guiltless Superfoods. Yeah, or Guiltless. Like, that's awesome. You know they've got good stuff because. Yeah. And you can, they, they ship. So if you're dairy free, grain free, corn free, soy free, and I mean, basically I'm like, what's in this? Because it's so good, but <laughs> there's nothing in it, but it's so good. Oh, it's so funny. Okay. So Lauren, what are you reading these days? Well, you're writing, so you might yeah. not be reading. I do have a hard time. Do you have a hard time reading while you're writing or do you? Oh, prefer- yes. Okay. Yeah. No. 
Yeah. So I, when I first was writing, it's okay about it. I, I was going back and rereading some books just cause I was like, how does one write a book? All of a sudden yes. I forgot how to write. I just like got this frozen, like how does one form a paragraph? Yes. Like, so I actually went back and read love does by Bob Goff mm-hmm. over again in the middle, like right at the beginning of writing. It's okay about it. just to be like, how did, how did he form a chapter? Like, what is this right. um, but I typically don't read much while I'm writing because I just, one, I don't have time and I don't want someone else's voice to seep into mm-hmm. and, and change my voice and me to start trying to read or write like I'm reading. But I, I am reading a book right now. Um, by Beth Guckenberger. I don't know if you're familiar with her. She's the um, she's with Back to Back Ministries. They do stuff in Monterey, California, um, and well, all over the world, but uh, not Monterey, California. Sorry, um, Monterey, Mexico. Okay. Um, anyway, she has a book coming out one week today after mine. So we're book buddies, also with Thomas Nelson, um, called Start with Amen. Yeah. And she, well, this is not her first book. I'm going to grab it because I have it at my desk here. I'm like making a bunch of noise. Things are falling over. Okay, start with Amen. The subtitle is How I Learned to Surrender by Keeping the End in Mind. Um, I love Beth, first of all, because, and you can find her, I think, at bethguckenberger.com. But mm-hmm. anyway, she, I've heard, I first met her when she came to speak at Creative for Care uh, Adoption Conference in Georgia and, and a few years ago, and we kind of kept in touch, and then she came back the next year, and she just has this way of storytelling that you don't even realize you're getting, like, this deep theological lesson, and then until she's done, and you're like, I just learned so much about scripture and about God and about, but you don't realize it. Like, mm. it's deep, rich stuff. But she has such a natural storytelling way of doing it that you ju- you just go right through it, and then you're like, "Oh my goodness, I learned like thirty things." And five so minutes. good, yeah. <laughs> so, and she's just really, um, she's one of those people that you're like, you are so you you are so down to earth, you are so wise, and she just loves people really well. You know, she'll just mm-hmm. love you. You feel like you're her best friend, even if you've only talked to her a few times a year, you know, and she's just great. And so I'm really excited about her new book, Start With Amen. So I have an advanced copy and that's what um, I've been reading. Um, well, right I love now. that. Have you have you seen Maria Goff's new book? I I have seen it. I have not read it. And I, that is one that I want to get. Is that what you're reading right now? I'm not, but I am. Have, I have it and she's going to be on the show in a couple of weeks. So I, awesome. I will read some of it and I've heard great things about it. Yes. So. Yeah. I'm not surprised. I mean, I, first of all, I love the title alone. I'm like, lovely. I know. What, yes. an, what an inviting title. She's you know? so kind. So kind. Yeah. Um, I was recently a guest on the show. Well, actually, I have no idea when it's, when it, if it's aired yet or not. So I won't <laughs> say that. But uh, I'm on a guest on What Should I Read Next by Ann Bogle. I don't know if you've ever listened mm-hmm. to that podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. So she sent, she didn't send me, but she told me three books, you know, how that's what she does. She recommends three books to you. So I just went on Amazon and ordered them immediately. But I think I'm about to start Love Walked In by Marissa De Los Santos. Mm, I haven't heard of that one. It's a novel and it's super cute picture on the front and it looks fun. And so that's what I'm about to start. I know I've never heard of it. And I like novels. I don't get to read them. I am, but I don't get to read them that often because I'm usually reading stuff for a work or a guest. Right. And most of my guests don't write novels. So, right. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Fun. So that's what I'm reading. There it is. Uh, or what I'm about to start reading. And yeah. hopefully I read a lot on vacation, which tomorrow after this airs, I will be going on a vacation with girlfriends. And that's Where are you just, going? we're going on a cruise. Oh, with girlfriends? That's yes. like amazing. There's 18 of us. Oh, is that not crazy? That sounds amazing. Like and I want to like sneak, like, can I get in your suitcase? And yes. Just come, come on, Lauren. <laughs> this is the crazy thing about it is I, I think that every occasion deserves a t-shirt. Oh yeah. And so I had one of the girls that's going on us. Um, she designed a t-shirt and then I got us. We we're, we're all have matching tank tops. 
Oh, how funny. We are so you're gonna dorky. Awesome. You're going to look like a tour group. It's We're going to be, be a tour amazing. Group. Like they're going to be like, so what company are you guys with? Uh-huh. Like, what? Some <laughs> of the girls are like, I don't wear tank tops. And I'm like, well, you will for the one order it. It's $15. Take a picture in it and then you can sleep in it. Um, because right. I think every occasion deserves a t-shirt. So tomorrow there'll be 18 girls with some blue tank tops on getting on a cruise ship, which I think is so fun. That is so fun. That is really fun. I need yes. to get to, to the season of my life where I can start doing girlfriend trips. I feel like right now all my girlfriends, our kids are kind of all the same age yeah. and it's just, you're so needed at home, but mm-hmm. we're all so ready for that. Yes, like, I know some of the girls there's, it's probably a mix of girls who have kids older like I do mm-hmm. And then a mix of girls who have um, younger kids. And it's a way bigger sacrifice for those mamas that have younger kids. Their husbands are having to step up to the plate a lot more than mine is. Because my kids will ride the bus to school and ride the bus home. And they can make their own lunch. And they can put themselves to bed if they needed to. So I hear you. I know it's a big sacrifice on a family when the mama goes on a vacation. But it's much needed. It's so worth worth it. it Because mama comes home so much happier. (laughs) So much happier. Yes. And even like I have a, my girlfriend, Amy and I, we haven't done it forever, but we used to go every year for a weekend um, and just get away. And she has three kids, one with special needs and I have four. And it was just like this really refreshing. Literally, we did nothing but just lay on the couch and read books and watch TV and eat Doritos. And it was just the best weekend ever. So even if you can do that. Yeah, I'm thinking that that sounds really good. Yep. Yeah. There you go. Got to get you some kind of. Mom trip on the calendar. That's um, right. Lauren, it's been so fabulous chatting with you today. I've Thank had you so much fun. Thank you. So much. Uh, you are a dear and um, I'm encouraged everyone to get your book. I know they're going to love it. And thanks just for your encouraging words because uh, life is hard. And so yeah. it's hard for everybody. No one is immune to that. And so thank That's you right. for just encouraging everyone that may be walking through a hard season or for goodness gracious, if it's around the corner, we've heard yeah. your words. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm excited about your book coming out. I hope you have a very fun May 2nd release day. Um, I'll think about you from the ocean. How's that? Awesome. And I'll be wishing I was with you. Yes, exactly. 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 Uh, Lauren, thank you so much. Thank you, Jamie. Guys, I loved chatting with Lauren so much. Um, I want to thank our last sponsor of the day. And that is the book, Messy, Beautiful Friendship by Christine Hoover. You know, we all crave life-giving, lasting friendships. Lifting other women up in friendships is one of the greatest joys that God has given us. But it's hard sometimes, right? It's hard sometimes to know how to make friends and keep friends. And her new book, Messy, Beautiful Friendship, Christine Hoover shares relatable stories of friendship successes and goof-ups. Through honest storytelling, Christine invites you to overcome insecurities and pursue God-honoring friendships in every season of life. Guys, this is also a perfect gift for that girlfriend, sister, mother, or yourself. You can buy yourself a gift. I give you permission. Messy Beautiful Friendship is available now and you can get it from anywhere you buy books. Guys, my favorite takeaway from the show was the conversation about redefining our definition of success and changing our expectations. That right there will make a huge difference in so many areas of our lives, whether it's parenting or marriage or friendship or work or whatever. It reminds me of what Heather Avis said in episode 132. If you haven't listened to that, she said hard stuff doesn't equal bad stuff. That is such good stuff. Today's show is edited by Logan Garza and the music is from Jason Poe. If you missed last week with Lauren Scrux Kennedy, you need to go back and listen, okay? Lauren walked through a severely traumatic disaster when she was sucked into a plane's propeller and lost her arm and her eye in the accident. I had such a great time talking with her. Plus, she just went out and created her own, like, dry shampoo line. I used it this morning. Thanks, Lauren, for that. Next week, my guest is Megan Teets, and you may know her from her podcast, The Sorta Awesome Show. Uh, It's a great, fun conversation, and I love chatting with her. Guys, enjoy your week. Share the show with a girlfriend and have a happy hour with a friend. Hey guys, you are listening to the happy hour with Jamie Ivy. I am Jamie and I'm your host and I'm so glad that you're here. If you like what you're listening to today, make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcast. We bring you new shows every Wednesday and Fridays and an amazing guest always joins me to chat about the big things in life, the little things in life and everything in between. Subscribe today to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey on your podcast player so you never miss an episode.